Hello, this is Pastor Ryan Clark. You are listening to a message from St. John's Lutheran Church in Buffalo, Minnesota. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Several years back, there was an amazing story that a number of newspapers throughout the United States carried. It was the story of two women who were trying to clear up this misunderstanding and a computer error. You see, both of these ladies were named the exact same name, Patricia Ann Campbell. And because the government thought they were the same person, they were given the exact same social security number as well. But they were not the same person. One of them was from Oregon, and the other one was from Colorado. And so finally, there came the opportunity for these two women to come together with the government to try to rectify this misunderstanding. And when they did, they were absolutely amazed at how similar their lives were. In addition to having the exact same first, middle, and last name, both of their fathers were named Robert Campbell. Both had the same birthday, March 13, 1941. Both married military men in the year 1959. Both had two children aged 19 and 21. Both had worked in their lives as bookkeepers. They both had an interest in oil painting, and both had studied cosmetology. Needless to say, I guess it was understandable that the government and the IRS, it took them a while to figure out that these two women were not the exact same person. I was thinking about that this week and thinking, does God ever get us messed up with another person? You say, well, of course not. Well, I agree with you, but think about what an amazing thing that is. There are 8 billion, with a B, people on this planet. 8 billion, and that's right now. Yesterday, many of those people we're not here, and others were. Think about the billions and billions and billions of people that have lived on this planet. The question for today is this. Does God know me? Does he really know me? Or from time to time, does he say, Patricia Ann Campbell? Now, which one was that? Does he really know me? And the crazy thing is, is that when we look at our passages for today, the answer is actually a resounding yes. From Psalm 139, it says, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Think about that. He knows every time we get up, every time we lie down, there's nothing that escapes his notice with you, with me, and all 8 billion people that are on this planet. 
right now. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before. You lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's too lofty for me to attain. You really understand the psalmist there. I can't grasp this, that you would know each one of us so intimately and personally. Now, depending on how much of the Bible you know or depending on where you are in your relationship with the Lord, that may fall two of two different ways on your ears. You might say, oh, what great news. Or you could be saying, uh-oh, he knows everything about me? That could sound like bad news to some people, right? It could sound kind of like Santa Claus. He sees you when you're sleeping. This is actually kind of freaky, isn't it? He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. That's a little scary. And I think some people see Jesus that way, that he's this God up there in heaven that knows me intimately and personally, but that's not a good thing because he's just waiting for me to mess up so he can squash me. And I think a lot of people look at God that way. But when we look in Scripture, we see a very different explanation of why it's a good thing that God knows us so well. In Romans 8, it says, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, not against us, if he's for us, then who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? In other words, if you want to know if God is for you or against you, all you need to do is go to the cross. Why did he send Jesus? For God so loved the world that he sent his only son. Because he so loved you, because he so loved me, he sent the very best from heaven, his own son, down here to this earth to die on that cross, taking all of the punishment that you and I deserve upon himself. So now there's no punishment left for any one of us who believe and are baptized. And if he was willing to do that for us, then I can trust him. I can trust his heart. I can trust that everything he does is for my good. I can trust that it's a good thing that he knows me. And so, yes, he does see me when I'm sleeping. He does know when I'm awake, but that's not a bad thing. That's a wonderful thing because he is for me. Nathaniel in our gospel lesson, otherwise known as Bartholomew in some of the other gospels, he found this out one day that it was actually a good thing that Jesus knew him. It says, when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And from that statement, Nathanael realized, I've never met this guy before and he knows me. He says, how do you know me? Nathaniel asked. 
And Jesus said, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathaniel realized there was no one out there. When I was under the fig tree, when I was talking to the Lord, there was no one out there. It was just me. But this guy saw me. Then Nathaniel declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Wow. Nathaniel realized, you know me. You see me wherever I am. You hear every prayer that I pray. You know me that intimately and that personally. Now, I know that we've all had experiences like that, where out of the 8 billion people, God says, I know you. I remember one of those times in my life. It was several years ago. I was the assistant pastor at a church in Wisconsin, and I was having a really bad week. Everything had just kind of gotten really heavy for me, and I was really kind of doubting if the ministry and should I be in the ministry, and I was really struggling with a lot of things in my life. And on top of that, I was going to visit somebody that was going through some really tough things in a hospital out of town, and it was a really rainy, gray day outside, a lot of cloud cover. It was just kind of a depressing day. We've all been there, right? And I, before I went into the hospital, I thought, I really have nothing to offer this person that's in the hospital. And so I went and had lunch first at an Arby's there. And I'm sitting there in this Arby's looking out the window. It's all gray, rain coming down. And I just said, Lord, I really need to know that you know what I'm going through, that you see me, that you know me. And all of a sudden, as soon as I said amen, the clouds parted and right through my window, the sun shone really right in my face to the point where it was blinding and I couldn't keep my eyes open. And it lasted for several minutes right through my window, sitting there in the Arby's. And I think it was God's way of just saying, I want you to know, Ryan, I do know you. I do see what you're going through. And I'm with you. And I love you. Sometimes the Lord does that. And it's wonderful when he does. I found this this week. If you think that's a crazy, amazing story, listen to this one. It's a story that I heard from the evangelist Ken Gaub. Now, Ken just passed away this past year. He had a, a TV ministry and, and a ministry that reached thousands of people out in, in Washington State. These are in his words. He said, I was on vacation with my family. We turned off the highway near Dayton, Ohio for a rest and refreshment stop. My wife Barbara and children went into a restaurant and I, needing to stretch my legs, went for a short walk. As I walked, feelings of self-pity enshrouded my mind. I loved the Lord and my ministry, but I felt drained and burdened. My cup was empty. Suddenly, the sound of a phone ringing startled me. It was coming from a phone booth at a service station near me on the corner. It kept ringing and ringing 
and ringing. Wasn't anyone going to answer the phone? I began reasoning, it might be important. What if it's an emergency? Curiosity overcame my indifference. I stepped into the booth. I picked up the phone. Hello, I said casually. The operator said, long-distance call for Mr. Ken Gaub. My eyes widened, and I almost choked on a chunk of ice in my drink. Swallowing hard, I said, you're crazy. Then realizing I shouldn't speak to an operator like that, I added, this can't be. I'm away from home. I'm just walking down the road, not bothering anyone. And the phone started ringing. Is Mr. Ken Gaub there? The operator interrupted. I have a long distance call for him. It took a moment to gain control of my babbling, but I finally replied, uh, yes, yes, he's here. Searching for a possible explanation, I wondered if I could possibly be on candid camera. Still shaken, perplexed, I asked, how in the world did you reach me here? I was walking down the road, the payphone started ringing, and I just answered it by chance. You can't mean me. Well, the operator asked, is Mr. Gaub, th Mr. Gaub there or not? Yes, 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 I'm Ken Gaub. I said, finally convinced by the tone of her voice that the call was real. Then I heard another voice say, yes, that's him, operator. That's Ken Gaub. I listened dumbfoundly to a strange voice identify herself. I'm Millie from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. You don't know me, Mr. Gaub, but I'm desperate. Please help me. What can I do for you, I managed to say. She began weeping. Finally, she regained control and continued, I was about to commit suicide and had just finished writing a note when I began to pray and I told God, I really don't want to do this. Then I suddenly remembered seeing you on television and I thought, if I could just talk to you, you would help me. I knew that was impossible because I didn't know how to reach you. I didn't know anyone who could help me find you? And then some numbers came into my mind, and I scribbled them down on a sheet of paper. At this point, she began weeping. Then she continued, I looked at the numbers and thought, wouldn't it be wonderful if I had a miracle from God and he had given me Ken's phone number? I decided to try calling it. I can't believe I'm talking to you. Are you in your office? I replied, Lady, my office is in Washington State. I'm in Ohio. A little surprised, she asked, Oh, really? He said, Didn't you know? You were the one that made the call. She replied, I don't even know what area I'm calling when I called it. I just dialed the number that I had on the paper. God knows you. He knows everything about you. He knows what you're struggling with today. He knows. And what a great example of the fact that God is still doing miraculous things in the lives of his people today. How long has the Lord known you so intimately? Well, going back to Psalm 139, we find something that may blow you away. It says, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. 
My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body, and all the days ordained for me were written in your book before even one of them came to be. Did you catch that? He knew you and me so intimately that he had planned out every single day of our life before even one of those days came to pass. That's how long he's known you. That's how long he's loved you and had a plan for your life. In Jeremiah 1, it says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart for a purpose just for you. This is why we at St. John's and our church body, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, are pro-life because of this passage and other passages like it. Because if God knew us and loved us and had a plan for us before we were ever born and while we're being formed together and while we're growing in the womb, then far be it from us to say that life doesn't matter. God knew us before we were ever born. Before we were even conceived, he knew us and had a plan for each one of us. Knowing that the Lord intimately knows and loves each one of us, how do we respond to that? Well, here's just a few ideas as we close this sermon here today. Number one, don't live your life in fear. You don't have to. Because you may feel at some times that you're on your own, but there has never been a second of your life that you've been on your own. It says in Isaiah 43, But now, thus says the Lord, who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, don't be scared, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name, and you are mine. If you believe in Jesus Christ and have been baptized, this is your promise. He has called you by your name. He knows your name. He knows what you're going through. And he says, you're mine. And I never leave those who are mine. You don't need to be scared. Secondly, call on him for help when you're in a time of trouble and trust that he's coming. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. Now, we would all love to have one of those experiences like Ken Gaub had, right? And maybe you have had something like that. But the Lord doesn't always do it that way. Why? Because sometimes he wants us just to trust what he said. You see, God isn't like us. He's not like people. When he says something, he means it. He always keeps it. He never breaks a promise. And so when he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, when he says, I've known you before you've ever been born, when he says, fear not, you're mine, he means it. And sometimes he knows that we need a little something extra. We need that light shining through 
the darkness in through the window in Arby's. And sometimes he says, trust me. Call out to me when you're in times of trouble and then wait on me. I'm coming. God's timing is perfect, but it's rarely my timing. And so a lot of times when I call on the Lord for help, I got to wait just a little bit. But the Bible says, blessed are those who wait on the Lord. He's coming. Hang on. Number three, trust that he's got a good plan for your life and seek to follow that plan. What does it mean that we say in the church that we're sinners? It means that we come out of the womb. If God's going right, we're going left. Everything that God wants to do, that plan that he planned before we were ever born for our life, we come out of the womb saying, I don't want to have anything to do with that. I want to do my own thing. I want to blaze my own path instead of following the one that you have for me, Lord. But as Christians, as those who know that God has forgiven us and given us now a fresh new start, we don't want to go left when he's going right. We want to follow the plan that God has for our life. In Ephesians 2, it says, it is by grace you have been saved through faith in Jesus Christ. And this is not from yourselves. It's a gift from God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And now we are God's handiwork or as Kelly said, his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. And so as Christians, every day, recognizing that Jesus has forgiven us and washed us of all of the punishment that we deserve for going left when he's going right, every day we wake up and we say, speak, O Lord, your servant listens. Just like little Samuel, speak, Lord, your servant listens. I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. Here am I, send me. And that's what the life of a Christian looks like. And then throughout the day, you just say, Lord, you just give me ears to hear, give me eyes to see, whatever you want me to do, I'm on board. Because I know that you prepared in advance things for me to do. And I want to accomplish those things as a way of saying thank you for what you've done for me on that cross. And finally, number four, treat others with the love and respect of knowing that God knows and loves them also, just like he loves me. In 1 Thessalonians 5, it says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact, you are doing. St. Paul here is talking to the church in Thessalonica, and he's saying, this is what the church is all about. This is why God created the church. You're not going to find a lot of encouragement and building up out there. If you're going to find encouragement and building up, it's going to be inside the church. This is why God has us come together to help one another, to encourage one another, to build one another up, to pray for one another just as, in fact, you are doing. In Colossians 3, it says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive the one who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, 
so now you must forgive others. I use this quote quite often, but C.S. Lewis, about a hundred years ago, said it this way. Being a Christian is forgiving the unforgivable in others because the unforgivable has been forgiven in us. Part of recognizing God knows and loves you just like he knows and loves me is recognizing that both of us are sinners. Both of us don't deserve it. And so if I'm going to receive his forgiveness, I need to forgive you too. Psalm 82 says, defend the weak and the fatherless. Uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. Another way that we show that we recognize that God knows and loves each other is we as Christians take care of the defenseless. We go to bat for those that have no one in their corner. I can't think of a more defenseless person than a baby inside the womb. Once again, this is why we're a pro-life congregation. Because God says, defend the defenseless. And that shows when we do that, how much God adores each and every life. In 1 Peter 3, it says, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. I can't think of a better way to show other people how much God loves and adores them than to share with them the message of Jesus Christ. To share with them the message that there is a God up there. You're not on your own. He does love you. He does have a plan for you. And if you would ask him to come into your heart, forgive you of your sins, he will wash you clean because of what the cross, what, what happened on the cross. He'll make you his own and he'll start your life brand new. In just a couple of minutes, we're going to be dedicating the mission wall out here. The mission wall has up on the wall, it has a number of ministries that we at St. John's are supporting. But then underneath, there are all kinds of tracks and all kinds of things to go and pick up and keep in your pocket to give away to those that God puts in your life so that they too can come to the realization of how much God knows and loves them also. My Father God knows me, and he calls me by name. He knows me. He knows my name. He knows you. He knows your name. He knows what you're going through. He loves you. You don't have to live your life in fear. You can call on him, wait on him, trust in him. And whenever you see another person and you look into their eyes, recognize he knows and loves them as well and treat them accordingly. And may God grant it to each and every one of us for Jesus' sake. Amen. You've been listening to a sermon from St. John's Lutheran Church in Buffalo, Minnesota. If you would like more information about St. John's and any of our ministries to our community and beyond, you can go to our website, www.stjohnsbuffalo.org. 
Thank you and God bless you.